0: to Bloody Mary's Queer Horror Podcast. This episode we're reviewing The Wicker Man. I'm the wet ghoul slopping out
1: your TV, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the still beating heart under your floorboards,
0: Sean. (laughs) We are a pair of uh, horror nerds living in Hackney, Uh, pronouns they them. Content notes for this: uh, human sacrifice, nudity, oh, um, animal cruelty, um, and of course, spoilers. Yes. Anything else? No,
1: that's all. But big spoiler about the ending. Big Um, spoiler from the beginning. So do watch it. Do watch it. So, before I start with the, uh, the the trivia about the film, I'd like to point out this is our 20th episode. Woo um, woo! Thank you all for your continued support. Your patronage. Yes, or, or if you're uh, visiting us for the first time,
0: please do stay. And visit the, the vaults. <laughs> yes, please consult the, arch- the archives. <laughs>
1: Um, so I should also say this is one of my absolute favourite films, um, so I will probably gush. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere possible. Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, so we are, of course, talking about Wicker Man, which is a 1973 British folk horror musical. Um, direct- is it described as a musical? Yeah. Oh, uh, directed by Robin Hardy, screenplay by Anthony Schaffer. Um, and it's inspired by uh, a novel from 1967 uh, by David Pinner called Ritual, um, which has some has the basic sort of similar plot, but doesn't actually feature a wicker man. Have you read it? Yes, but ages ago. I have a copy. It's quite hard to find actually, but I do have Ooh. a copy. I think it's out of print. But um, but yeah, it's good. Um, but it's very loosely based on it. So the 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 broad story is that Sergeant Howie goes from uh, the Scottish mainland to an island called Summer Isle to search for a missing girl. Um, He's a sort of uptight Christian virgin uh, who finds that the island inhabitants have rejected Christianity in favour of a more earthy brand. Earthy? I thought
0: you were going to say earthy brown. An earthy brown
1: uh, of uh, Celtic paganism. Uh, So this film is described as the Citizen Kane of horror movies in a 19... 77 commemorative issue of magazine Cine Fantastique, Mm. uh, which is an oft-quoted review. Um, It most notably stars Christopher Lee, who at this stage in his career was keen to move away from more schlocky hammer horror films (laughs) (laughs) that that he'd become so closely associated with. Uh, And he agreed to uh, appear in this uh, film for free. Um, because he had so much faith in it. He considered this to be uh, one of his greatest ever roles, and uh, during the press tour of it, he paid for his own uh, press tour out of his own pocket. Wow. Um, uh Willow, uh, the character that tries to seduce Sergeant Howie, is played by Brit Eklund. Where the film was shot in a place uh, called uh, Galloway in Scotland, and she described it as the bleakest place on earth. <laughs> um, and uh, following that, the producers were forced to apologise to the locals Aww. <laughs> <laughs> um, due to financial constraints of the production company. The film, despite being set during spring, uh, was actually filmed f- uh, beginning in October of 1972. So the um, uh, the trees, which obviously were all bare at the time, had to be uh, fitted with artificial leaves. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and there's one scene where it's an overhead shot. I couldn't quite figure out which scene it was, but apparently that's actually a
0: shot of uh, South Africa. <laughs> which oh, was... is it the bit where the plane's coming down to land and it's looking over the orchards? Y- yeah, maybe. Yeah. It, was, yeah, it was definitely an overhead shot. Yeah.
1: Um, so this film makes up part of a very tiny subgenre of horror called folk horror. Um, others include 1968's Witchfinder General and 1971's The Blood on Satan's Claw. Although this genre has had a little bit of a resurgence with uh, *Midsummer*, Midsummer. Uh, which we have reviewed. Please do visit the vaults uh, <laughs> to hear our staggering takes. Um, <laughs> uh, and also a very recent miniseries called The Third Day, starring Jude Law, which has a similar sort uh, yeah. of pagan so culty feel. Uh, and it's very good. We can recommend. Yes. Uh, it's said that there's no complete version of this film. We've just watched uh, what's called the final cut version of it, which is... Oh. Sorry, my cat's playing with my naked toes <laughs> and a leaf that looks like a naked toe. Um, I'll do excuse us. Um, the uh, the production company weren't super pleased with the with the film uh-huh. and cut uh, or had cut around twelve minutes from it. Um, so the, the version originally released was about eighty seven minutes, and then it's since been it was released it was shortened. Partially because they weren't that keen on it, but also because I uh, to make it short enough to feature as a supporting feature with Don't Look Now, which was uh, released at the same time.
0: Oh. Um, well, like a double bill thing. Sort of, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, which is a
1: film that I love, but Alex doesn't I hate. Um, <laughs> uh, but also the similarity that those two films have is that they're both people who believe they're looking for a missing girl. Oh, yeah. Um, which is Interesting. The, uh, so about 12 minutes was cut originally, which shortened the stay from Howie, Sergeant Howie's stay in Summer Isle from two days to one day, um, so everything happened all on the same day. Uh, okay. Um, and lots of kind of incidental dialogue were cut, um which really angered Christopher Lee, apparently, because there was a big speech of his about apples, which I feel like I've seen... So the version that we've just watched was slightly different to the one that I'm most familiar with, which I think is probably the shorter version. Right. Uh, There are a few differences. The main ones are... I think a lot of Christopher Lee's speaking about the fruit was cut uh, from when... Sergeant,
0: how he visits Summer Isle Mansion. He does you know, talk about like, how, yeah, his like ancestor or whatever had done that kind of like had experiments with. Fruit he does, but There's more about apples because you know when you see all of the empty
1: crates, uh... they have much more significance in the version that I've seen. I think, um, but anyway, the a later version was released called the director's cut, though it's not technically a director's cut because it's not all of the footage. Um, yeah. So um, the version that we've seen, I think, is uh, the ninety-five minute. Um, considered, which is considered the longest and closest, closest version to the original version. Christopher Lee said in 2007, I still believe it exists somewhere in cans with no name. I still believe that, but nobody's ever seen it since. Uh, so we couldn't recut it, re-edit it, which is what I wanted to do. It would have been 10 times as good. So uh, obviously the most well-known scene is the final scene in which Sergeant Howey is sacrificed in a giant burning wicker man. mm mm-hmm. um, Before filming the scene, uh, Edward Woodward, who plays. um, How much wood would Edward Woodward chuck if Edward Edward, Woodward could chuck woodcut chuck chuck? (laughs) Woodward Woodward. He uh, he plays Sergeant Howie and uh, he refused to visit the structure before filming. So the first time he sees it is the first time his character sees it and the first time that we see him
0: seeing it on the screen. Did you refuse to see it just because you wanted the impact? Yes. Because you can be bothered now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was just like, well, can't be asked. Uh, it was, um, I'll see it when I see it. No, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I, I believe, although it's not clear that it was very specifically for the impact. Um, <laughs> uh, he said, um, when he first saw it, and uh, the, the, uh, did his, oh, Jesus Christ, all oh gold! <laughs> Then uh, there was some some shots being in between shots. He asked the director if he was actually going to be put in it. And the director said yes. And uh, uh, Edward Woodward said that he, in his entire over 60 year career, he's never been more scared than he was inside the Wicker Man as it burned. And apparently just before shooting the final scene, when he was in the structure uh there was a goat pending above him and the goat was scared at being shut up and it urinated and it all uh, fell down. Oh, seeped lovely. through onto Edward
0: Woodward. Oh, you would be scared. Poor little animals. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the scene was filmed at Burrowhead in Scotland and the kind of the remaining stumps of the burnt Wicker Man remained at the location uh for three decades and became a landmark for fans of the movie. Oh. Like a pilgrimage site. Um, and then there was outrage when the stumps were cut down and stolen in late 2006 uh, by someone in a four wheeler.
0: Oh. If, if anyone's seen
1: these, please return these to Burrowhead in Scotland. Is that on an island? Burrowhead in Scotland. Is it an island?
0: I don't know. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be quite difficult to sneak away with. <laughs> you're on an island. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Maybe it's just in an island residence, an island residence back <laughs> What? No, these aren't the stumps. <laughs> um, uh, so the, the company's advertising executives were apparently outraged at the ending of the film and they asked for it to be reshot um, and for a sudden rainstorm to put what? out the flames and save uh, Sergeant Howie. Um, and then what? Like, how did well, he escape? <laughs> and then Well, I mean, I guess it could serve a second purpose, which is that, like... Well, no, because they haven't been short of rain. That's not why the crop's haven't Yeah, no, it's just a stupid idea, which is probably yeah. why they refused it. Um, so there's a persistent rumour uh, that's, for as long as I've known about this film, I've also known this rumour, which has been... According to Britt Eklund, who plays Willow, also being the case, which is that uh, some animals were actually killed (laughs) in the burning, specifically the sheep. Um, But according to the director, uh, the animals were not inside the Wicker Man when it was actually set alight. And the scene where you see them is actually a trick of the eye where the flames are in front of. Uh, So actually none of the animals were hurt and they were looked after. In terms of where the the Wicker Man sort of uh, iconography comes from, uh, in an article for The Scotsman from 2013, uh, Laurie Anderson said, we have Julius Caesar to thank for the most terrifying of lethal contraptions. The Roman emperor wrote in his accounts of the wars in Gaul, of how indigenous tribes would burn alive the most troublesome criminals in a giant man-made structure twisted with bran- twi- twisted from branches. The-, the playwright Anthony Schaffer, upon reading this account, filed it away as the most alarming and imposing image that I'd ever seen. Modern archaeological research has not yet yielded much evidence of human sacrifice amongst the Celts, and the ancient Greco-Roman sources are now regarded somewhat sceptically, especially considering the likelihood that Greeks and Romans were eager to transmit any bizarre and negative information about the Celts at a time when the latter were feared and disdained.
0: Mm, That was some very historical speech
1: there. I liked it. (laughs) Well, it was a quote from that piece, uh, just off off the top of my own knowledge. Disdain. Yeah, so essentially it was... uh, they think it was just an image conjured as kind of propaganda against the Celts, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's weird, because you hear a lot about, like, the idea of human sacrifice from, like, Jews and Celts, and I wonder if that... Yeah, I don't know. I've heard it elsewhere, anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um,
1: so, uh, the other most well-known scene, perhaps, is Willow's uh, sexual dance. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Her seductive, alluring dance. Um, At the time, Britt Eklund uh, was in a relationship with Ron Stewart um, and he apparently launched an attempt to block the release of the movie when I found out that she was appearing naked in the movie. Nutty. Because as we know women don't have agency over their own bodies. No. And they're not allowed to make decisions without consulting their stupid boyfriends. No. stupid hair. Stupid Rod. Rod. <laughs> Who's called Rod? Uh, no offence to
0: any listeners called Rod. Rodney.
2: <laughs> Rodney Stewart.
1: Um, so, uh, Brit Eklund was actually dubbed. Uh, her voice was actually that of Annie Ross's. And for part of the nude scene, her and you can definitely notice where it is because the cuts are quite clunky and they have different hair. Yes. Um, <laughs> her body double for nude scenes was Lorraine Peters. Um, although there's some uh, dispute over whether it's an actress that is actually named or not, which I'll get on to. Oh. The dance scene itself took 13 hours to shoot. What? I know. Um, so the the story goes that Britt Eklund was pregnant at the time of filming and would only agree to shoot her nude scenes from the waist up. Uh, so a body double was used, and the scenes were filmed after she left the, she- the, the After she left <laughs> the set, she's done shat she <laughs> on the <laughs> set.
2: <biased. laughs> um,
1: but uh, she's since said that she was pregnant at the time, but didn't know it, and that was not the reason why she just didn't like her bum and didn't want that being shown. Oh. But um, she was furious to learn after shooting. Uh, that she'd been doubled in these shots because she had she didn't know she was being doubled. She just knew that she'd refused to show her bottom. Oh, um, and uh, she um, she said apparently now even to this day, uh, people ask for autographs of pictures of that scene, and she refused to sign it because it's not her. And she says, "I didn't want to show my bottom, but I shot myself in the foot. They put in the ugliest, biggest bottom in the world. Mine was much smaller and much nicer." I recently found out it was a stripper from Glasgow. Um, so there's lots of conflicting stories about this. I think we should say it is a charming bottom. A mystery say, bomb. But it is a mystery <laughs> bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so according to the composer, uh, or one of the composers, um, Lorraine Peters, who was the body double um, and wasn't a stripper from Glasgow, um as well as doubling for the uh, that new dance scene, is also the naked crying woman that we see weeping at the grave at the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, and is credited as well. Um, but apparently, that day she was on a period, and because of the ca- camera angle, she was unable to wear a tampon, which I'm not sure I quite see because it's from quite far away. Yeah. I, th- I don't think we would have seen a little string no. um, hanging out. No. Um, and apparently she was dripping blood on the grass. And uh, he said, the composer Gary Carpenter said, Consequently, and despite the best efforts of the crew to swab up after each take, DNA evidence probably survives at the location to this day. Lovely. Which is an odd observation that only a man would <laughs> yeah. <do>. um, <clears throat> uh, So, uh, another alternative ending suggestion uh, that the studio executives suggested. Uh, I've said that bit. So, uh, the music for the film, uh, which is iCod Call It is! Uh, was recorded before the filming took place. Um, and, uh, That's Robin. <laughs> <laughs> how, how would they do to see it seriously? doing it live. <laughs> 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 um. I mean, I think my <laughs> songs came first.
0: <laughs> they made them up as the film went along, live. Um, I'm just
1: reading what I found in my research,
2: actually. Um,
1: yeah. uh, so, Robin Hardy, the director, surprised the cast by suddenly announcing midway through the filming that they were making a musical. Um... And the music consists of traditional songs, uh, traditional folk songs, original compositions um, that were made especially for the film, and even a nursery rhyme. Do you remember the nursery rhyme?
0: No, which one's that? The
1: Bar Black Sheep. Oh. Um, so there was news, there was talk of a sequel. Um, so Shaffer, who wrote the, um, the screenplay for this from... Pinner's book, uh, wrote a 30-page uh, film script treatment uh, entitled The Loathsome Lampton Worm. And it was supposed to be a direct sequel to The Wikibang. Um So, have you heard the story of The Lampton Worm? No, it sounds fun. No, I'm not sure many have, because it's a Sunderland story. Oh. Uh, Sunderland is where I'm from, re- regrettably. No, sure <laughs> any of our <laughs> listeners from Sunderland. Um, and I don't remember exactly what the story is, but there's a place in Sunderland called Pensher Monument. And it's a it's a it's like a sort of monument thing that looks a bit like the Acropolis in Greece, but Brandy. not as nice. Uh, <laughs> not as nice. Uh, and it's, it's on a hill in a place called Penshaw. And uh, yeah, we used to like, go up there for picnics and stuff when I was younger. But apparently, it's, uh, I remember it was so, it's so heavy, it was like sinking into the hill. Wow. Um, but and it gives you like a. I said it's not a lovely view, but a full view of Sunderland. You do get point. a view, <laughs> <laughs> and, and the legend of the lantern worm is something about this big, long, like kind of dragony serpent that someone is trying to slay with a sword, and it wraps itself around pension Monument, and he cuts its head off or something like oh. that. Oh, um, so it is, it's an existing piece of like British folklore. Um, uh, so apparently, this would have been the sequel would have been a lot more like uh, kind of fantastical than the uh, the, the original. Uh, relying a lot on special effects, obviously. Um, uh. And the story, the idea of the story was so it begins at the uh, immediately after the ending of the first film, and Sergeant Howie is rescued from the burning Wicker Man by a group of police officers um, who've arrived because he hasn't come back in good time. Right. Um, and then he kind of goes on a mission to try and bring Lord Summer Isle and the followers to, to justice. Uh, but then. Be- <laughs> He becomes embroiled in a series of challenges that pit the old gods against his own Christian faith. And apparently the script ended with a, a climactic battle between Howie and a fire-breathing dragon. Oh, I the, thought t- was... the titular Lambton Worm.
0: I thought you were telling
1: Jesus. And the worm. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and then it ends with a suicidal Howie plunging to his death from a cliff while tied to, lo- t- to two large eagles. Oh my god! I'm um, glad didn't so make it didn't It was never produced, uh, but apparently the script uh, that he wrote is available in a companion book called Inside the Wicker Man. Oh my god! Um, maybe we should do a, a table reading of it. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, it didn't happen. Um, uh, one of the director said. Uh, I know Tony did write that, but I don't think anyone particularly liked it or it would have been made. <laughs> <laughs> it was shit. <laughs> um, but it has... Apparently, it has, there is a fan-made full-cast audio drama that was released last in 2020. Lol. Um So, uh, some last kind of uh, more random trivia. Um, so, there is a remake from 2006 starring Nicolas Cage. Have you seen it? Yes, of course. Um, Stinker, And it is... Awful. Awful. Yeah, so it doesn't ridiculous. even deserve our mention. But the one thing I will say is it does feature my favourite actress, who's Frances Conrad. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I love her so much. And she's, she always picks great TV roles, but really shit film roles. Like, I can't think of many good films that she's in. No. Um, but it's very sad to see her in such a, an awful film. Very sad. <clears throat> the, uh, so apparently... Um, when the it's funny we were talking about son of Sam the other day just to give us an insight you into an insight of what we talk about. <laughs> in our spare time. Uh, so the son of Sam uh, murderers uh, murders rather uh, when New York police detectives were uh, investigating that uh, they screened that uh, the Wicker Man um, to uh, because the, the son of Sam for the for the police and the detectives because son of Sam made reference to the wicked King Wicker.
0: In one of his letters, so people thought know. that there was a connection between this and the film. I'm pretty sure that wasn't. Um, no, it wasn't Son sort of Sam, more like just like a cult generally, rather than just like Wicker Man's perspective. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he yeah, was yeah. a Wicker Man super <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially because of the, there's no evidence that this mythology of this film exists anywhere apart from in the film. Yeah. Um, so uh, in March 2018, uh, at Alton Towers, a roller coaster inspired by the film opened. When? Uh, 2018. Oh. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Um, I had heard about this, but so it's a wooden roller coaster that features a six-story Wickerman structure and the train passes through the uh, through three times as it bursts into flames. Oh my God, I want that. <laughs> I know, life. I want to go. Um, <clears throat> so a uh, little interesting uh, insight. So the missing girl called Rowan uh, Morrison, who we see in pictures initially and then we see her at the end. Uh, so the photo, she was played by someone called Jerry Cowper, um but the photograph that's being handed around at the beginning uh um is not her um it's her twin sister Jackie Cowper what? why yeah, don't know it's weird <laughs> <well>. detail um <laughs> so um the uh and the final point is uh so there's a a big missing scene that was filmed but was never used in any of the cuts apparently and nobody's seen it since it's been filmed But, um, or nobody's seen it since it was composed for anyway, because, uh, so one of the musicians called Ian Cutler said on his website, the film has been badly cut over the years, and oh, he speaks about himself in the third person, and Ian remembers doing scenes (laughs) that have never appeared in any version of the film. One such scene is the dream sequence, which Ian can clearly remember parts of. Um, He believes that it was filmed when Sergeant Howie is sleeping while a hand of glory burns. Which is, doesn't really make sense, actually, because he's not asleep when the Hand of Glory is burning. And he, he immediately turns over and knocks it over. Yeah, yeah. But maybe I don't know. Anyway. But um, during the dream, which is a kaleidoscope of images, um, a huge egg-shaped stone is revolving faster and faster. Also, the woman in the churchyard who is feeding the baby has the egg in her hand and crushes it. All very symbolic stuff. This scene has never been mentioned anywhere, to my knowledge. Um, and then a musical arranger called Gary Carpenter remembers, similarly, I have a vivid memory of having to score a phenomenally com- complex dream sequence for Howie, which was like post-scoring and animation, it was so intricate. The fades and dissolves and the extensive use of library footage for the sequence seriously dented the budget. Despite Robert Robin Hardy's enthusiasm for it and its inclusion in what I assumed to be, at the time, to be the director's cut, I've never seen reference made to it again, and it's in no existing version of the film. Oh,
0: no. Yes, yeah, interesting. Giant revolving egg. <laughs> You're a giant <diet> revolving <laughs> egg. I certainly am. Is that all? Oh, yeah,
1: sorry, yes. <laughs> uh, the film begins with a date on the screen which is Sunday the 29th of April 1973 Mm -hmm. Um, should also say just uh, repeat that this is a slightly different version we didn't really recognise the opening of this uh, because it's not quite what we've seen before but we so we see a little montage of Sergeant Howie singing in a church doing a reading and taking the Holy Communion and then we see him in a small plane which is flying over Scottish Isles um, but I think in previous versions that I've watched, it starts with him on the mainland in a police station, hearing about the case, uh, which is this missing girl, and given a photograph, um, yeah. that's been sent with an anonymous letter from someone on the island, but he delivers this, he tells them this when he arrives on the island, so it's slightly different. Yeah. And then as he's flying over the islands, it begins with, uh, it starts playing, <laughs> Corn rigs and Barney rigs and the <laughs> corn rigs are bonnie- Um, It's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, So he lands in the sea, and he shouts with a megaphone to the people... It's a plane that can land on the water, just to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, he does drown. (laughs) And and that is the end. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, With a megaphone, he asks for a dinghy, and they say, um, the the, the men on the shore say... uh, this is private property, um, and there's lots you really of you throughout. I'll try not to, but I might slip into it now and again. Um, also, uh, sorry to any Scottish listeners, any <laughs> offence caused at my butchering of your fine tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are lots of uh, kind of people watching from the windows, very suspiciously at this newcomer. And he says uh, he's uh, he's a policeman from the uh, from the mainland. Uh, so they. They send out a boat to pick him up. And then when he gets to the land, he shows all of the old men the photo of Rowan Morrison, explains that it came from an anonymous letter. And they all pass the photo around and they say, she's not from this island. Not from not this
0: island, island. No, 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 Yes. And then
1: he, he reads from the letter then and says, uh, he names the mother of this girl, uh, who was May Morrison. And all of a sudden they remember, uh, yes, there is a Morrison oh, on yes, this island. Yes. And, so, and they say that she keeps the post office. Um, and then... They direct him to the post office, and he starts to walk away. But as he's walking away, one of them says, "That's not me's daughter, though." Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm going to try not to do this. And then he says, "Then who is she?" And then there's just silence. <clears throat> so he arrives at the post office, which looks more like an elaborate sweet shop. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, it's got like uh, weird, like chocolate. Hairs and little baby cakes. <laughs> little baby little cakes. cakes as babies, yeah. I mean. <laughs> like,
2: baby cakes. You just don't know
1: um, And as he ends, he says to the woman in there, who turns out to be Mae Morrison, uh, not to be confused with lesbian icon Mae Morris. Oh yeah. Um, says, uh, "I like your uh, your little rabbits." <laughs> uh, she says oh, they're not silly rabbits, they're March hares. <laughs> um, and then she looks at the photo and she says, no, that's not my daughter. And he's like, but you do have a daughter. And he says, yes, she's through here. And they go back into the house, uh, which is attached to the shop. And he's introduced to Myrtle, who's aged nine. Uh, and he says, and uh, May says on the photo, that girl looks like she's 13 or 14. And Myrtle is painting a hair. And then she goes back to the shop, the mother that is. is, and uh, Sergeant Howie kind of squats behind uh, Myrtle and uh, and tries to help her paint, but gets grey paint all over his hand. Stupid and then stupid idiot. Stupid idiot. And then he says, "Do you know Rowan?" And she says, "Of course I do." And he says, "Well, where is she?" And she, she, she says, uh, "She's she's at the field running around. Uh, that's where she always is. She loves it there or something." And he's like, "And will she be back for tea?" <laughs> and she says, Hairs don't have tea, silly." <laughs> and then he realizes that he's not going to get any sense out of that silly little girl. Oh. Um, then we see uh, the swinging sign of the green man in um, and uh, he goes into it. It's nighttime now. And the music
0: stops as soon as he goes in. <laughs> it's also really brightly lit for a pub. It's like harrowingly yeah, it, It's lit.
1: It's lit like a, like a working men's club up north. <laughs> um, uh, so he, uh, there's a very creepy and camp landlord called Mr. McGregor who, has, gay. who has uh <laughs> A, a hairline that's receded so far back, he looks like a, a slightly hairy egg. Aww, um <laughs> With a cravat.
2: <laughs> with a cravat. <laughs> like old camp egg.
1: <laughs> Landlords. Um, and he asks if he can, uh, can have room and supper. And uh, Mr. McGregor says, yes, of course. And he sends for his daughter, Willow, uh, to show him, uh, or to, to make supper and she comes comes out from the the kitchen area, and she's a stunner. Oh yeah, especially what? the old <laughs> grim locals. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, she does rather stand out on what is quite an ugly island. Um, and then they all sing a fun song uh, called "Landlord's Daughter." I love
0: that song because this so that like, she basically saying that she's like a bit of a slag, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you wouldn't bring her home, but you could fuck her. Not that kind of girl we'll take home to your mother.
1: And she's just laughing, like, it's me! (laughs) Um, And Sergeant Howie is deeply unimpressed by this frivolity. No, it's horrid. Um, And then he has enough of the song, and like a true party pooper, bangs an ashtray on the bar to get everyone's attention, shows uh, the picture of Rowan Morrison and passes it round. Yet again... Uh, nobody recognises uh, the girl. As the photo's being passed around, um, he, uh, Sergeant Howie's looking at some framed pictures on the wall, and there's one for every year, and it's a picture of the the, the fruit and veg that have been yielded from each harvest festival yes. uh, with a girl in in the picture, in the centre of the picture. Grinning. Grinning. Uh, and the, the picture for 1972, which would have been the last one, is missing, but it's clearly been there because there's kind of like a dirty mark around. There is uh, a dirty mark. Dirty mark, and there's a screw there. Um, He asks about it, and apparently it got broke. It got broken. Yeah. Uh, So then he has supper, which consists of some sad-looking boiled potatoes, some sort of meat on the bone, and some kind of turquoise broad beans. Yeah, they look mental. And then he has... uh, He has... Peaches and cream for dessert, of out, out of a can, of course. Yeah. Um, Willow, who was serving up this uh, disgusting grub, this was a fetid feast. <laughs> Why would I have said that? I don't know. Um, I like it, but I mean, it's sort of my usual vocabulary. What is this fettered feast? <laughs> um, she's being very flirty with him. He goes outside and sees some people snogging next to the pub, and then lots of people having sex outdoors. Yeah, it's a real romp fest. Um, And uh, there's someone, uh, there's some people in the little graveyard uh, watering the graves. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then we see a shot of a naked woman who's kind of like straddling a grave and leaning over it and weeping. Yeah. Um, He's obviously very appalled by this with his christian sensibilities yes. and he barges back into the inn and goes up to their room and into to his room rather and the uh the 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 pub folk sing gently johnny yes uh, which is
0: is very lovely it is
1: very lovely actually um and then we see so willow uh has the bedroom next to uh sergeant howie and uh she Uh, is called uh, from uh, to the window by Christopher Lee, uh, who plays Lord Summerisle. Um, And he's wearing a kilt and with another handsome young man with a kilt. uh, And he's presenting this man to Willow. And he says, uh, this is uh, a a presentation from me uh, for Aphrodite. And uh, she says, do you not mean from Aphrodite? And he's like, I make no such distinction. And then he says, make sure you're ready for tomorrow, the day of death. And then he says something about there being an offering greater than this one. Mm. Um, Which I'm wondering if is a bit of an error, because actually it's not the next day, it's the day after that. Yeah. Um, This might have been to do with the original cuts that reduced it to one day. So you missed that one, didn't you, silly film people? You silly filbers. Um, uh, And then we go back to them singing Gently Johnny again. And while we assume that... uh, Well, we don't assume, we know. Um, While... Willow is having sex with the man Uh, the Lord Summerisle is watching some snails um, and and giving a very lovely monologue about how he wishes he was an animal because animals don't pray to a god Um, and this is kind of yeah, not burdened with
0: sin and and, guilt and and this is shown
1: alongside Howie who is trying to pray in his bed while um, while he hears orgasms from next door orgasms (laughs) (laughs) Orgasms. Um, so the next day, uh, Willow directs him to the school at his request, and as he arrives, they are at uh, there are some kids, some boys uh, dancing boys. around a maypole. Um, singing a song about sex and it starts with a little funny uh, twangy thing. It's like, yeah.
0: Bang, bang, Is that like a like funny Is it like a, like a nose whistle or something? Anyway, no, <laughs> no. No. it wasn't. But I'm sure it's like a funny name. Anyway.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a little thing that you put in your mouth and twang. Yeah, go twang. You put it in your nose and whistle. <laughs> um, and the song goes, And on that band there was a seed And on that tree, <laughs> the tree, the tree but it's basically about, like, uh, how, like, nature becomes, like, a, a tree, and the tree becomes a bed, and a man and a woman have sex on the yeah. tree, and the seed becomes a, boy and the boy becomes, and becomes a grave, and the tree grows from the grave, and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, so he walks into the school, and it's all girls, because the boys are doing the maple dance, and uh, the... Uh, the kids are all banging on the table in time to the song outside. And then the teacher stops and says, uh, who can tell me what the maple represents? And she uh, she fingers Daisy from the audience <gasps> to answer the question. Um, Daisy, who is playing a 13-year-old but looks about 35, yes. uh, doesn't know the answer. And they all, the rest of the class answer in unison phallic symbol um, <laughs> and she's like e- yes correct it's a phallic symbol that's venerated in religions such as ours and sergeant howie is eavesdropping on this so he comes in and he barges in and says he's going to report it to the authorities on the mainland the corruption of the young and she says that she wasn't aware that the um that police hold any authority over education and he says, "Well, we'll we'll just see about that." <laughs> <laughs> so he passes the photo around, uh, rubs off the teacher's writing off the board, which I thinks is very rude. It was very and rude, and writes Rowan Morrison's name on and uh, and asks if anyone recognises her. They all say no. Um, if anyone's ever heard of her, they all say no. And he says, "Who sits at that empty desk?" And there's an empty desk. And she says, "No one does." And then he goes up to the desk and opens the the lid, <laughs> and there's a. a A nail that's been, uh, that's kind of sticking up from the inside of the desk, and a beetle that's attached (laughs) to a thread and is walking around in circles. And elderly Daisy (laughs) (laughs) tells uh, Sergeant Howie that the the beetle keeps walking around in the same direction and the the thread will get shorter and shorter and shorter until it can't move. And he's like, Well, why are you doing that? Which is a great question. question. Um, And he asks to see the register. Um, for the class, and the teacher, uh, who is called... God, what is she called? Mrs. Rose or something. I think she's called Mrs. Rose. Mrs. Cool Hair. Mrs. Cool Hair Rose. Um, Anyway, she says that he will need uh, permission from Lord Summerisle to see the register, and he barges her out of the way. Yeah, it's very, like, violent barge. Yeah, he opens up her desk and uh, takes out the register and sees uh, the name Rowan Morrison there, and he calls them all liars and despicable liars... And the teacher says, can we speak outside? And she says that no one's lying. If she existed, we would know of her. Um, And then he's just like, did she used to exist? (laughs) Um, And is she dead? And she says, we don't use the word dead. Her soul's gone to nature. And he says, why aren't you teaching these children about Christianity? Um, And she said that reincarnation is a lot easier to understand than resurrection. Yes. and uh, and the the image of a rotting body is doesn't go down well with children. And he's like, "Well, where is the rotting body of Rowan Morrison?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said, and he as she says, it's buried. And he says in the churchyard. And he's like, "Well, it's not, but it's only a churchyard if you're using the church as a church." Um, church, 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 church. church. Um, So he goes to the to the churchyard. in the best commas <laughs> um, and there is a woman breastfeeding there, and she's holding an egg in one hand, palm out. Um, an and I read somewhere that this is some sort of symbol of fertility or something. I Guess it's yeah. fairly obvious. Yeah. Um, and then he uh, he's appalled by seeing the kind of ruinous state of the church, and uh, he takes a crate that's lying on top of one of the graves and smashes it and then kind of uh, prizes part of it apart to make a crucifix, which he lays on top of the grave. Um, and then he's amongst the graves and sees a man with a very rickety little lawnmower. Yeah. Um, and he says, he notices that on all of the graves there's a tree being planted. A tree. A tree. And he says, what is this tree? And he says, oh, that's a Rowan. Um, and he's like, is this Rowan Morrison's grave? And she says, yes. Uh, she's been seven months dead. And there's uh, sort of a... a curly, pinky red things oh, yeah. from it. And he says, this looks like flesh. And he says, yes, that's her um, this looks like skin. And he says, yes, that's her navel string. Yeah, I've um, seen his umbilical cord. I've never heard that type no, of phrase. Same. Navel string. So he returns to the post office <clears throat> and uh, May Morrison is giving Myrtle uh, a little frog to suck on for her sore throat. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's a fur. <laughs> which is another bit I don't think was in the film. The version I've I seen. I don't remember. Uh, it, but... Which makes sense because it's not it, the scene doesn't actually add anything apart from that kind of cool visual. Yeah. But then uh, he, he calls them all raving mad and leaves, <laughs> and then he goes to uh, a sort of registry office thing uh, um, yeah. and asks to see the index of deaths, and the woman in there says that he will need authority from. Uh, his lordship to do so. And then um, he kind of insists and in say that she will be obscuring ju- the course of justice and he'll arrest her. And then she reluctantly gets the book out of the, uh, of her drawer, which is underneath a kind of tinned fruit. Which yeah. She slams down. And I think that's to kind of just to play up on the fact that they don't have any fresh fruit yeah. on the Island at the moment. Look at tin of peaches. <laughs>
2: <Look a nice laughs> tin of peaches.
1: <laughs> There's no record of Rowan Morrison. The, the woman there says she doesn't know how she died. Um, and then he leaves and arrives at the chemist. Uh, and the camera pans around and there are lots of jars
0: of foreskins mm. and various other body parts. Uh, yeah, like pickled pigs as well. So, uh, um, little packle packs. Packle pack! delicious packle pack. pack. <laughs> <laughs> pack, of pack.
1: Um, and uh, the man there is also uh, a photographer. And he's responsible for taking the photo. The, the, the photographer, the photographer, nature <laughs> <laughs> of the harvest festival, um, and he says, "Do you have a copy of the the 1972 one?" He says, "Photographer, photographer." Ph- ph- <laughs> he says, "No, I don't keep copies." So then we see uh, Sergeant Howie riding on a horse and carriage uh, past some phallic bushes and uh, <laughs> blossom laden trees. Um, and he sees uh, lots of naked women dancing around a sort of stone circle that's got uh, structures around it that look a bit like Stonehenge. Yeah, like a mini Stonehenge. And they are dancing naked in a circle around a fire and then jumping over the fire. And the song that they're singing... Um, how does it go again? Oh. A baby in you or something. It's like, oh.
0: jump in the fire, the fire in the baby. No, 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 that's the right <laughs> With the babe in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, Just it's like the take the
1: babe inside you, but I can't remember the tune. No, I can't remember the tune. Oh, take the babe inside you. Da, 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 uh, da, yeah. Da. yeah. Um but the panpipes at the beginning of that really, really reminded me of when on midsummer when they first arrive at the yeah. festival, the panpipes playing as they walk in. Um, it's very
0: similar to that.
1: Um So uh he gets off, and he's obviously at... Eight, uh, he doesn't get off. He, uh, <laughs> has, he a has, has a wag. <laughs> he, um... He, uh... Oh, he's totally uh up, <laughs> <yeah>. um, <laughs> he alights the horse and carriage. after for ejaculating. And he enters uh, Lord Summerisle's stately pile. Oh. Um, <laughs> and he's told that Lord Summerisle is expecting him. And as he waits in this very grand uh, interior, yes. he looks out of the window and continues to watch the women jumping over the Convulting. fire. Looking a little bit flustered. Yes, as he um, always does. Yeah, <laughs> as he always does. Um, so, uh, and then it turns out Lord Somerile was sitting in that room all the time. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so funny because he's like in there that
1: page and all of a sudden he's just like,
0: Hiya! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he says, I hope that I see the sight of, uh, I hope this sight of... Uh, The young refreshes you. Yes, do you find it regenerative? Oh, yeah. And he's like, absolutely not. And he's very appalled by it. And he talks about uh, Rowan Morrison and Lord Sumrall asks if he suspects foul play. And he says, I suspect murder. (laughs) 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 And he's like, we don't commit murder. We're a deeply uh, religious religious people. And Sergeant Howie uh, kind of questions this, saying he's seen no sign of Christianity, blah, blah, blah. And uh Lord Somerile says that they believe in reproduction without sexual union. And he's like, have these children never heard of Jesus? Because <laughs> that went awry. <laughs> um, and Lord, uh, Lord Somerile has a bit of a mic drop moment mm. where he says, uh, yes, I've heard of Jesus uh, born to a virgin impregnated by a, a ghost. ghost. <laughs> True that. Yeah, um, mic drop. And he says something along the lines of God is dead. He had his chance and he blew it. Yes. Yes. Um, and then he tells the story of how they came to be on, uh, on Summer Isle Island. So he points to a, a very austere-looking portrait of his grandfather uh, and said, in 1868, his grandfather bought the, the island, which was barren at the time, uh, and he, he bought it for its... Uh, he was a scientist and he bought it for, his, uh, for its uh, potential for growing fruit.
0: Yeah, this is something about a warm Gulf Stream of air, or something as well. Yes, like, and volcanic uh,
1: soil. Yes, um, and then he said that uh, he he like his he was raised by his granddad to love fear and sometimes appease nature. Mm, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. foreshadowing. Um And Sergeant Howie says he raised you a pagan. Ah! And, uh, <laughs> so <he> said pagan. <laughs> And uh, a Lord Sumrider says, a heathen, yes, but not an ill-informed one. And he says, so I'm here to ask for permission to assume, uh, to exhume the body. And he says, I'm under the impression that I've already given you permission. Yeah. Um, so he seems pretty chill about the whole thing. Yeah, he really does. Um. So then we see uh, at night time, called Scoopy, um, mm. the... Oh, is it night time? E- no, I don't know. No, I don't think it is. Oh, I can't well, at daytime, we see, um, All we see him <laughs> with the guy who was mowing the lawn earlier, exhuming the body um, in a very sort of unofficial way. <laughs> just yeah. kind of prizing open a coffin, uh, and the man's loving. And instead of uh, the body of Rowan Morrison, we see a large hair yes. in there. And then we see... Um, the animal I hair, not just a hair. One single <laughs> gu- golden <Long>. hair. <laughs> with, a, with a ribbon. <laughs> Quite a girthy head hair. Um, so, so we go back inside and we see um, Lord Summerisle and Miss Rose are singing at a piano. And Miss Rose is sort of curled up on a furry rug. Um and uh Howie storms in and throws the hair onto the fur rug and says, uh uh, where is she? And Miss Rose says, Why she's here. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, we thought that the um that the uh the hair was a lovely transmutation. She loved the March hairs. And uh and he kind of summarizes the situation by saying, I was told there was no uh I was told there was no child by people the island. Then I found out that she'd been killed. I found no death certificate. Then I found a grave, and then I found uh, no body. And uh Somar was like, "Very perplexing for you. Yeah. <laughs> <It's really laughs> what do you think?" <laughs> um, and he says that he thinks uh, that she's a victim of pagan barbarity, and that he plans to go back and report uh, all of the goings on on this island uh, on the mainland, um, and then. Uh, uh, Lord Summerisle says, perhaps it's a shame then, that you won't be here to be offended by our May Day celebrations tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and then, maybe it was night time, because then the next time we... Not that it passes that much, but then the ne- we next see him breaking into the chemist. Uh, I think he picks the lock or something. Yeah. Um, and goes to the back to where the dark room is and looks at various photos of kind of unusual burial rituals and then finds some negatives uh, from 1972 holds them up to the light, and then he um, then he
0: develops one of them. Um, it's very elaborate. I think mean, he knows how to develop film as well, that he finds a negative and then develops <laughs> it. So like... As since as the room is fully lit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, he sees the, the picture that should have been hanging on the wall, and he, he says aloud that there's hardly any produce. Uh, obviously, the crops failed, and he's like, Rowan's been sacrificed. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Sergeant Howie uh, goes to bed, and so begins Willow's seduction dance. I love this film. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I wonder if it's the only example of a film where someone seduces someone from a different room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she starts by slowly kind of banging on the bed while she's naked. Uh, not up on the bed, on the wall. And uh, she starts singing Willow's song, um, which goes a little like this. <clears throat> Come on.
2: Please come, oh, say, say how to all the things I'll,
0: I'll say yes. to you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Ooh.
0: I first heard this song from Sneaker Pimp, so like because uh, I was a big Sneaker Pimps fan. fan, and, I and um, yeah, like when I heard it on the film, I was like, oh. <laughs> and also,
1: they have also covered uh, "Gently Johnny" as well. Yes. Um So he's she seduces him through the wall by like pounding on the wall, and and he's getting all flustered and. Um, yeah, he's like announced. rising around like, oh, God, it's
2: too sexy. Um, but
1: he resists her siren calls. Yes. Um, although he might
0: live to regret that. He does. Or die to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> live to die to regret <laughs> it. Which he does. Um,
1: so the next morning he's woken by a closed willow. Um, and she says uh, "She says that she invited him to come and see her last night. And he says, I'm engaged. It's nothing personal. I don't believe in it before marriage, which confirms to her what they'd hoped of him. Yes. Uh, so he visits the library, where there's a very sort of busybody librarian who's watching his episode, literally just like, like, like sat like, right next a, to
0: him. like next to his face, reading <laughs> like a book Kyle. <laughs> and
1: he sees a beautiful image in a book uh, of a hobby horse, a man, woman, uh, and a man fool. Um, and he reads that those three lead the procession on uh, May Day. Uh they're followed by six six horsemen who then make the shape of the sun with the sword, and they do this ritual uh to appeal to the goddess of the field uh for a poor harvest. And then there is a sacrifice, and we hear uh Sergeant Howie's thoughts here, he's like She's not dead Rowan's not dead and he figures that she's going to be sacrificed to make up for the uh the low yield yeah, in yeah. the harvest the fol- the previous year. Um, And he reads on saying that they either drown or burn the sacrifice. um, And then they wear the skin of the person that they sacrificed uh, to end the procession. And then he realizes that he needs to quickly go and get some backup from the mainland uh, to ensure that Rowan isn't sacrificed. And he is taken out to his plane on the boat and finds that it doesn't work. And he suspects it's been interfered with. And, uh, as he's, th- at this point there are lots of people poking up from behind the wall because it's May Day now yeah. and they're all getting ready for the for the procession, and they're wearing fish masks and rabbit masks. Or Um, hair masks, I guess. And mice masks, and uh, deer masks. Owl masks. Owl masks. masks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my colleague. So he has to go back to the island, obviously, and he's like, I'll find the road myself.
0: I I also would like to, uh, at this point, just uh, pose the question, at no point do they talk about telephones on the island, (laughs) And, and I don't understand why he doesn't call the mainland at any point. But, um, yeah, but, I mean, if, um, I guess
1: if it's a small island and they're really insular, they wouldn't have any telephones because they'd have no need for them. Yeah, maybe. Um, the, uh, yeah, why didn't he, for example, WhatsApp someone? Yeah,
0: just say, like, w- emoji, scared emoji.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, So he then sneaks back onto the island. Obviously not everyone knows he's back on the island at this point, And he sees the hobby horse kind of walking past yeah. in a big sort of... Uh, boofy petticoat, <laughs> um, and he kind of chases the hobby horses. Kind of teasing him, he yeah, he chases it. popping
0: his head round, um, like woo.
1: <laughs> and uh, it kind of reminds me, especially because the hobby horse is red, of, of "Don't Look Now" when uh, when he's chasing the, girl, oh, the yeah. little uh, the little woman in red. <laughs> um, so then he kind of spies on the preparations for the May Day festivities, and uh, Lord Summerisle gives a little speech about how. Uh, they're making a sacrifice a uh, special sacrifice um, to the gods of the sun and the, go- the god of the sun and the god of the orchards mm. um, he then uh, Sergeant Howie that is then goes back to Mae Morrison and, uh, and and tells her his concern, saying is your daughter going to be sacrificed and she's just like you'll never understand the true nature of sacrifice and he says what kind of mother are you <laughs> um, and he calls them bloody heathens and storms out and then he's saying that he's going to conduct a search of every house on the island. Um, and then we see a little montage of his search, where he uh, he goes into a house and sees some dolls in a sex position on the bed, which he swats off the bed. <laughs> then he sees some feet poking out under a blanket, and he rips the blanket off, and it's like a big clown doll. And then uh, and that's when Barbara Black Sheep is playing. Yes. Then he goes into a room, and there's a woman. Uh, <laughs>
0: naked in a tiny a tiny top yeah <laughs> the clearly sultry just like slopping around small <laughs> <sink>. <laughs> like a, like a yeah. small <laughs> sink
1: and then he opens a cupboard in another house and a, 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 what seemingly a dead child falls out but then it turns out just to be a alive child she does a little giggle uh, yeah he's trolling him um And then he goes onto a ship and he searches out and there are loads of empty apple crates. Yes. Uh, He finds a fish mask um, and then he goes into the bakery and then (laughs) there's like a a sort of an oven tray that's like the shape of a coffin and it's got like a a bread body. It's like a giant bread man. It's amazing. (laughs) And then he finds... he opens a cupboard and there's a, a, a fish costume hanging up. Oh, yeah. And the man uh, says, that's my costume. I'm going as the Salmon of Knowledge. <laughs> salmon of knowledge yeah. <laughs> I liked it later when you said that you would be the Poodle of Sass. <laughs> 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 um, I, I would be the earwig of indifference. <laughs> um, and then he goes into, I guess, like a funeral home. And opens up a load of coffins and one of them has a little person in it with, uh, coins on their eyes and, like, bandages just around the hands and, like, bloody stumps. Yeah. Something. Um, and then
0: he goes, <laughs> it's strange that it doesn't actually, but
1: he goes back to the pub, has a whiskey and then goes for a nap.
0: I know, it's <laughs> weird. That, I was thinking about that when we were leading up to this. Like, it is weird that he goes back for a little nap.
1: Yeah, and, uh, Mr. McGregor says, uh... I'd recommend you stay there longer than half an hour because we don't relish strangers on this day. Um, and then Relish. He, even though he doesn't want to be disturbed, uh, he keeps the door completely <laughs> open in <to laughs> his room and he overhears um, uh, Willow and her father, Mr. McGregor, saying uh, that they don't want any interference and they need to make sure he sleeps through it. Uh, so they, they put a hand of glory, which is like a wax hand, yes. uh, with all of the fingers and thumb alight.
0: Yes, and that's one of the things that actually is a real thing. Well, real in both commas. It's, just like, it's the severed hand of a hanged man um, that you dry and then uh, embalm in wax. And it was used to... It was like a talisman for, that used, the burglars used to use to basically... Make the occupants of the house stay asleep, or basically be paralysed, and it's also meant to help with unlocking locks as well.
1: Hmm. So
0: yeah, interesting.
1: Um, however, because he's not asleep, he turns around, and sees this, and instantly knocks it over, and then puts out the the flames. Um, and he he creeps into the the room where Mister McGregor is getting into his costume, and he's going to play the man fool. Man fool. And he bashes him over the head with something or other. And then takes his costume, um, ties him to the bed, and ties him to the bed. And then the procession begins with uh, Christopher Lee leading the fray, gaily dancing as the man woman. Yes, with his lovely long black wig. Yeah, like (laughs) a long, very straight black wig, like Cher. Yeah, it's like (laughs) Cher. And uh, he's wearing like a purple and yellow sort of floaty dress. he's got these like kind of like sides. He's got
0: side, like yeah, side, and a kind of like hand of blossoms or something. And he's doing a
1: wonderful dance with that. And he keeps telling uh, the fool, who is, of course, Sergeant Howie, he says, cut some capers! You're <laughs> here to be playing the fool! Um, and then they do a little dancey thing. The hobby horse is lifting up his skirts and putting it over women who are screaming bloody murder. Yeah, they sound like they're then, being attacked. <laughs> and then they do the bit where this, the six swordsmen form uh, the shape of the sun with their swords. And they, uh, while... Uh, the music of Oranges and Lemons is playing. They're all saying, chop, chop, chop. And each person goes through and puts their head in the middle Mm. and then leaves it there for a second and then ducks out. And obviously, uh, Sergeant Howie is very, very scared. But uh, Lord Samurai leads him up saying, you know, it's a part of the procession, everyone has to do it. And then he obviously doesn't get his head cut off. But then someone behind him, who's dressed as a fish, uh, gets their head chopped off but then it turns out it was was just a a girl who has a long head has a long head (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, prosthetic head and then they do a little ritual where um, Lord Summerisle uh, cracks open uh, a barrel and offers ale to the sea as libation and it it delivers to the sea quite a frothy head it does actually Um, yes Um, and then he says now it's time for our more dreadful offering um, and then we see uh, Rowan uh, standing at the kind of the, the threshold of a cave, and uh, Howie runs to her and uh, takes off his face his mask and says, yes. "I'm a policeman. I'm here to help." And she says that she's scared, and she leads him through the cave, saying, "I know my way through this cave. Come with me." And they're being chased, and then when they arrive on the other side. Uh, they come out of a little hole thing onto the kind of cliff edge and stood there are Lord Summerisle, Mrs. Rose and Willow and some others. And Rowan immediately runs towards Lord Summerisle, um obviously revealing that she was part of this plot. And she says, did I do well? And he says, you did it beautifully. Beautifully. Um, and I've only just watching it this time made the connection that that line is parodied in the League of Gentlemen. Oh. There's a scene, I can't remember when it is, but there's a scene when Tubbs says to Edwards, did I do well? He says, you did it beautifully, Oh, times. really? Yeah. Um, which shouldn't be that surprising, because they're huge fans of the Wicker Man. The um, Tubbs and um, <laughs> <laughs> um So then uh, he realises he's been foiled and fooled. And all the F's the, the, really The fool fox. has been fooled. <laughs> and he looks around and upon the high eclipse there are all of the people wearing the their, islands, masks. their masks. Um, and he kind of looks over the edge of the cliff to see maybe if there's a way out, but it's just crashing waves against perilous rocks. Um, and then uh, Lord Summer Isle said, Summer Isle, uh, oh god, that's the thing often the American remake actually, they called it Summer Isle because apparently Summer Isle was too difficult to pronounce for American. <laughs> <laughs> They're heathens. Ah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Chinese <Martin> <laughs> Um The uh, so he says uh, that you came here of your own free will. It's game over. When he says it's a case of the hunted leading the hunter, um, but we it's, it's but it's we who brought you here, um, and the whole thing was a was a ploy to get them there. And he talks about the crops, and he said yes, the the blossom came, but the fruit withered on the bough. And then he says that animals are not sufficient sacrifices. Children are good, but even better are the right kind of adult. And he says, "You are the right kind of adult." And he questions what this is. And they say that he he came there with his own free will, with the power of a king, um, in, representing the law. He was a virgin, and he came here as a fool. So that those are the ingredients. Delicious ingredients. If you ever want to, ever want to sacrifice to anyone <laughs> to yield good crops. Um, and he uh, he realizes then that he's, he he's the the one to be sacrificed, and. Uh, They say, he says that he believes in resurrection because he's a Christian. And he says, well, you will be, uh, one of the women says, you will be resurrected, but uh, as crops, not in your own body. And he says... um, I don't want that. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Unsubscribe. (laughs) And he says, uh, you know, I'm a Christian. Um, I will live again, but not as your damned apples. (laughs) Um, And then they cut off his clothes. They wash the wounds on his face. Um, they dry him with the hair. <laughs> lovely. The um, and they put some yellow on him. on <laughs> his little nips. Oh, and his yeah. Forehead. Um, and then they dress him in the lovely white dress. Beautiful. Um, and then uh, the dialogue in this whole bit is so brilliant. He says that um, he believes in the life eternal as promised to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Lord will say that he will uh, he'll die a martyr's death um, and that it's time to keep your appointment with the wicker man. Whoa. Um, and then he's saying, he's obviously objecting. <laughs> he's like, no thanks. No, thank really, you. I'd rather not. Thank you for the kind offer. <laughs> um, I, I wish you a happy heart. <laughs> good, good day, sir. Um, <laughs> and he keeps saying that like, you're about to commit murder. There is no sun god. Um, that's not why your crops failed. They failed because it's not natural to be growing fruit on this island. Um, And he says, next year there'll be no crops and what will you do then? You'll have to sacrifice somebody else and there'll be no one uh, and no one less than Lord of Summer Isle will do. They'll kill you next year. That's so funny that he
0: suggests that. I thought that was quite a weird detail actually. He's like, it's going to be you actually, I've decided (laughs) it's (laughs) you. Well, I think it's a clever last move,
1: um, last attempt. Um, And he's like, think about what you're doing and they all start sort of humming. um, And then he's led up Uh, To the top of the cliff where he claps eyes on the Wicker Man for the first time. And he says, in what's probably the most iconic line from the film,
0: Oh God! Oh Jesus Christ! (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: And then there's also a little bit, which maybe this is me reaching a bit too much, but there's a bit when he's being led by the guy who was previously the hobby horse with the big beard. Mm. And he kind of stumbles and falls. And it really, it made me think, Mm. I wonder if it's like when Jesus is carrying the cross. Yeah. Um, And then... uh, he's locked into the Wicker Man. We see that there are lots of pigs and cows and sheep and geese, geese. all in there as well. No animals were hurt in the making of this film, uh, apparently. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but some people think that there were. <laughs> um, so who knows? Um, and then they start doing their lovely chanting. Um, and he's shouting, Awaken heathens, it's the Lord who pun- who perished your corpse! And then they set the Wicker Man alight and they sing their lovely song together. There are lots of animals shrieking um, and uh, Sergeant Howie starts singing the Lord's My Shepherd um, out of desperation. He says a little prayer and then he's saying, Jesus, Jesus. And those are his his last words. And then we see a very, very beautiful scene, which apparently was kind of filmed in, it was kind of good luck that it happened this way. But they were, it's like a close up of a head that's burning and the head just like droops and falls off. And then Uh you see the setting sun in the background.
0: Beautiful. Um, yes, and then the. <laughs> uh, representation. Let's, let's talk about right, it. <laughs> um, to start with women. Yes. I just, I was trying to think about whether, like, whether there are any scenes of the women talking to each other. I'm not sure. No, yeah, there but, probably isn't.
1: I mean, apart from the teacher addressing. The class. But they're also talking about the phallic symbol. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Because it it seems like also there's quite a lot of men on the island. I was thinking about that generally. Because it's like in the pub scene, for example. Um, It just seems like the whole place is full of men. And then the only women that you see are generally naked or having sex with someone. Yeah,
1: that's true. (laughs) I mean, I must say, it just... And maybe this is me stretching because it is one of my favourite films. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not put out in any way by the, the representation of women because it's that's kind of what the island is about. Like they worship the phallus. Yeah. <laughs> um, women are there to reproduce. It's very much about like kind of like that's kind of the philosophy of their religion. Yeah. Um, so I. Yeah. We, I mean. Oh well. I mean. I we see. Oh, she's not talking to women because the, the most kind of like unsexed woman is Mae Morrison. Right. As in a named woman who... And also the teacher, I guess, as well. But the... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this is this is going to be a short section. Yeah. page <laughs> <T-D-H. laughs> Because it's not sort a of wildly sort of...
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the character of Willow is quite kind of sex positive and just, like, sexuality. That's quite cool. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, I read something in... I can't remember where it was. I didn't mention it at the beginning because I think it was interesting enough, but I'll mention it now, uh, which was that it was it was seen by many as a kind of like, um, as a turning point of the like, in response to like the swinging 60s. Uh, so it was 72 it came out, or maybe it came out in 73, but it was filmed 72. And it was about like um, the kind of, the, the views that remain in Britain about the kind of puritanical sort of righteousness. So that it was very much about like sex and repression mm. and Sergeant Howie representing the kind of repressed character. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the residents of the island representing so sexual
0: kind of... freedom and liberation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's much more to say about women, generally. No, no. Uh, People of colour, obviously, I don't think there are any in this. (laughs) No. Um, Which, again, I'm not
1: super offended by, because it's probably a bit of an incestuous island. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's supposed to be this tiny, ridiculous, Celtic community. That's not to say that there may not have been... Counts of color before that, but
0: actually, yeah, and you think about Midsummer, for example, the only characters of color are the people that come the in newcomers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it does fit with the kind of narrative of a folk horror. I suppose
1: the interesting thing this film does in terms of representation is that it presents the other is the straight white man who's a Christian. Yeah, which is like the the kind of the most privileged position you could be in in this the seventies in, in the UK yeah and possibly still now I don't know about the Christianity bit but it's the it's the dominant religion yeah um so yeah it's quite cool that the the character that's othered is the, the the one that doesn't have any protective characteristics <laughs> yeah and it's
0: it's it was a line actually with what he said uh, Sergeant Howie is just like this is a Christian land or something. Mm. And it's just like, it's, you just wouldn't say that now at all. Like, it's just like, you can't. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's too kind of erasive and, yeah, it's just yeah, not representative of the inhibitors. It's also probably not very true anymore.
1: Um, it still probably is the dominant religion, but I don't think people practice it as fervently.
0: No. Um
1: The... Yes, yeah, so it's well, entirely white. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and, um, disability, I don't think there's any... I don't see any signs of it. No. Um, and queer representation.
1: No. Um, I mean, If no, Mr. McGregor is a heterosexual I... man, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> um, so no. It's not a film that has... Representation. of anyone that isn't like white, straight people. Yeah. Um, but it kind of, it makes sense for the film. Yeah. And, uh... And the kind of... The straightness of the people in the film is kind of a thing because they Because it's about, like... Reproduction. Yeah.
0: And making new things. Well, I mean, I guess, like... It's just heteronormative society is about just general reproduction, isn't it? Well, they've got nothing better to do, haven't
2: they? <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any culture of their own, so...
0: <laughs> might as well bang. <laughs> um,
2: yes...
0: Cool. Should we do the awards? Yeah, for sure. I'd love that. I feel like we should introduce the awards with a folky kind of song. Oh, yes. (laughs) Okay, well, you lead (laughs) and I'll follow. (laughs) I thought you might say that. It's the awards, 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 awards.
1: Awards, 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 awards,
0: awards, awards, awards. Oh, that was lovely. Cool. That was a change of pace
1: <laughs> for us. Um, <laughs> um, I actually found the awards quite tricky for this. Um, yeah. You know uh, yeah I, mean, I, I feel like, I, I just love this film so much, like, from start to finish. It's quite <laughs> difficult to pick out little details of it, though.
0: Yeah. Because I think it's just, from start to finish, like... Mwah. Mwah. Um, so, d- did you not have a best character? I did. Oh, go on then. I said the naked woman in the tiny bathtub. <laughs> oh, she was one of my favourites. But mine was the woman holding the baby and the egg. Yes. Um But also, I loved all the bread and uh, pudding people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really
1: look at the cake baby. Actually, <laughs> thinking about very poor representation, I do think when we first saw the post office, which also has cakes and sweets and stuff, yeah. in the window there is there was a little like black like baby figure oh. that was a cake or something. Um that looked know. Pretty, pretty racist, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, yeah. yeah. so, yeah. so maybe there was some representation, <laughs> but it wasn't the kind
0: that we look for. Um, Delicious, but bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what was your spookiest bit? The...
1: I, I think it's a very scary film in a very different way than most scary yeah, it's films. it's like are.
0: unsettling.
1: Yeah. Um, but I think the spookiest bit is... Um, I think his acting at the end is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I think you get like I remember certainly the first time I watched it I was like really kind of shaken by the ending I thought it was like really traumatic mm. um, his kind of screaming his like desperately singing the Lord is my shepherd and like the bit where you see him inside burning, and, yeah. really and he's kind of yeah, it's, I, I it's the
0: ending. I'd say, like, that's the only, like, overt scary bit. I think the rest of it is just kind of creepy and unsettling because you don't know where you are or what's happening, which is the same kind of horror, but in terms of just, like, stand-up, like, pow, like, yeah. scary bit. The Yeah, the Wicked Man at the end is I I is do think the there's, one. Some,
1: there's something about... Uh, well, one thing that I always find really, and it's more like, I don't know if frustrating is a it's more like kind of terror, where it's like, uh, two things one is where nobody believes you about something yeah yeah and they think you're mad or something that bit always like me really, that thing in a, like the Hitcher yeah, is yeah. a prime example of that that always is like why does nobody believe and they yeah. don't think it's him or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the other one is where you're completely isolated and you don't trust anyone I find that, like, a, a yeah. real kind of, like, insidious kind of terror.
0: But it's interesting because I was just thinking, like, his character is so, like, arrogant the whole way through and I kind of, like, really, like, now you're all do breaking the law and... Blah, 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 rather than actually being scared. It's only the bit where he realises he's being captured, like, right at the end that he gets unsettled, which is strange. And I
1: could say this later, but since you mentioned it, no. <laughs> herein
0: lies the genius of this film which is that it makes
1: you sympathetic about a very unlikable lead. Yeah, Um, he's awful. But I wonder now if there's an element, or if there's a a colonial reading of this, where it's like um, a man goes to a place where he doesn't understand the culture, he questions their beliefs, he questions their values, he tries to force Christianity on them, and then his solution is then to go and report it to the mainland so that they know about these kind of heathens who are, yeah, yeah. are practising these things that are at odds with their values and they're going to try and get rid of that. Yeah. That, yeah. That, maybe it's a film about a coloniser who gets what he fucking deserves. I agreed. Yeah, well, fuck him then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
0: don't, I don't know. Like, I guess you, you, can, like, you kind of put yourself in the situation of being burnt alive, but I don't like him and I don't really care that he dies. Um, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I think by and the also end, I love the I, vi- I, I love the village and I love all the people in it and their fun little ways. Yeah, and also, I mean,
1: like until that point they're not hurting anyone with their values no, and their yeah, beliefs, and um, and it seems like a happy community. And also, the they weren't prepared to sacrifice one of their own. Um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, she was part of the plan, that they, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it, yeah, it's it's really conflicting in that way because by by the end, I do feel genuine sympathy for Sergeant Howie, and yeah. I am kind of rooting for him in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But it's it's an unusual. I just wish that he could be saved and then go and fight a big dragon. Oh yeah, and then jump off a cliff attached to two eagles. That's crazy. That's the ending I would have had. (laughs) Not really. I didn't watch it. That's what makes
0: it iconic. But, um, but yeah, it's like a terrifying ending. Yeah. Um, what was your lols there?
1: I, I didn't have one because I think it's generally a very funny film. Yeah,
0: it is funny throughout. Um, the bit that the movie that after most was like I said earlier in the film of it, where they're all singing about what like the the oh, is yeah. and she's loving it she's like yeah yeah I am yeah, yeah. <laughs> woo um, actually we also laughed a lot at the reveal of the woman in the tiny bath <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she's just like yeah <laughs> yeah I'm naked in a
1: tiny town. <laughs> yeah I think it, I think um like, it is a kind of... Like, it is like an earnest, serious film in a way, but I think it's also kind of knowingly a little bit absurd and weird that's in a funny way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's generally
0: a very funny film. Yeah. Um, so, Best Death, um, obviously we know what that yes. is. Sergeant Howie. Sergeant Howie. Or Jesus Christ. Or God, Oh Jesus Christ. Oh God, oh Jesus Christ. Um, obviously, we don't have another death, no. but I was kind of reaching with the fact that maybe... The the fake death of Rowan maybe was the worst <laughs> death because it wasn't actually a death. Okay, that is a reach. I will not allow that in the awards. Uh, that will go unawarded. Yes,
2: yes.
0: Uh, um, what was your queerest moment? My queerest moment was the introduction of Mr. McGregor. Oh, yes, yeah. The, the landlord.
1: Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. like... So, what can I do for you here? I I
2: was trying to do
1: camp and Scottish, but I went kind of Russian. Um, Anyway, he's very camp. Yeah, he's wearing a little caveat. Uh, Caveat. (laughs) (laughs) What is the word? Crabat. He's wearing a caravan.
0: Um, He's from Russia. And um, it's like, it's like, Oh he'll be spending the night with us. Yeah, like he's, so, yeah he's got like <laughs> flirtiness about him as yeah, well. Um, um which obviously the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um Sexius is Willow. Of course. Um, so, and also all the rest of them are mantas, really. Yeah,
1: but the, the, the blonde guy in the kilt who's brought the software. Well, I was going to say is another example of a child. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he looked like grown, but maybe not. Um, anyway, yeah. Willow is the answer. Yes, she Willow is, is the like, She's answer. like an iconic seventies beauty. She's got that um. Just beautiful. Yeah, she's just,
0: just full lips. Yeah.
1: Can I offer an additional award just
0: for this film? Go on. Best song. Best wickerman. Which which going forward we
1: will use for all of the musicals just that are musical reviewing. horrors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> God, I would like what any musical horrors are. They can't be any anyway. <laughs> the only one I think of, which is not really a horror,
1: but I would fit it into the horror canon, is Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: Oh, I think we could just say the Buffy musical episode. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah. No. <laughs> Um, best song. Well, I love Willow's song. That's yeah, my Willow's favorite. song is my favourite. But, um,
1: but I also really like the one that sounds with the like, sad pipes, where that sounds like the Midsummer one, because I love the Midsummer soundtracks. Yeah, so it's
0: really funny thing, it's quite kind of naive sound, like a child is playing it or something. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, <laughs> so, I'm a big Björk fan,
1: to our listeners who don't know me in person, um, and she's big on flutes. And she's, flutes. she's got a song that she. I think she wrote it as a child, it's called Glora, and it's just her on a on a flute, and it's really, really lovely, but, like, it's a bit like that, it's, like, really kind of simplistic in child like Yeah,
2: it is like
0: that. Um, Great. Pumpkins. Oh,
1: yeah, Pumpkins. Your shit's <laughs> costing me award. Your shit. <laughs> <hosting the> awards. <laughs> uh, I am the avi-polar
0: to your... <laughs> Ricky Gervais Uh, (laughs) exactly Uh, exactly. uh, (laughs) Uh, I think this for me I don't love it as much as you and I know you're going to get sad with me for my pumpkins Um, but I think probably it's um, 3.5 pumpkins for me
1: (sighs) would you like to elaborate
0: further? um I it's just, I mean, like, I just like I, I think I like a little bit more scare in a horror, and I I do love the kind. Of, I think if it was, I think I am categorizing it within a horror pumpkin scape, um, and um, <laughs> and uh, I just I, I I like it's almost like just a sort of twee weird film with a horror ending. Do you know, I don't know, um, I like it, it just. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't stay with me as much as it does you, um, basically. Um, although I do love all the kind of, like, pagany, y kind of, like, stuff. I don't know. Um, it it's just doesn't... It doesn't float my booty. My booty.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, s- I'm sorry to hear that you're wrong about that, but, um... <laughs> uh, I will give it 5 yeah, Of course. It's, uh... I, I... 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 I find it so brilliant, and I, c- I cannot fault it. I think it's like pure story, which is what I live for. Yeah. And I tend to prefer more sort of like, uh, kind of story heavy. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, just love it. I love it. And yeah. I think, um, it's, it's my joint favorite alongside the orphanage and *Rosemary's baby. I just think those are three that you, that like f- tell a beautiful story really, really well. Um, and there's just like, there's not a moment that's wasted in that film. I don't think. Yeah. Um, and I'm really pleased that that weird dream scene was cut out because that would have been an example where it was just like, you don't need to do this. because yeah, There's yeah, enough yeah. weird happening already. Yeah. Um, and for me, I did find, I remember the first, like now I find it very like joyous and funny to watch because I love it so much and I kind of know what's coming. But the first time I watched it, I was terrified. Like I found it really, really like foreboding yeah. and weird because, um, because I didn't, I, I, I well, I, I think the first time I knew I watched it, I probably did already know about the ending just because it's kind of, Always. It's on the cover of the film. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and it's always, it's always <laughs> kind of like on the like, top scariest moments, like yeah, top yeah, best yeah, endings yeah. of horror films and that sort of stuff. Um, but I still, yeah, I found the kind of, the, the level of threat throughout kind of really insidious and discreet. Yeah. Um, but very, very present. present. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just love it. I just love it so much. I don't, I don't love that. Yeah. Fair. And also, and just, another just, thing. just to add... I think that's why I didn't love Midsummer as much as you, because it, for me, I was just like, oh, I don't really want to see something that's obviously very heavily inspired by The Wicker Man, because it's a perfect film, and I really love Midsummer. but for me, nothing nothing can top this in that, yeah. in that genre. But I'd like to see more films like it, but I don't know how you could do another film that's not just about a pagan cult, or like... It, it, I don't know how expansive a genre it can be. Yeah. I the potential there is for other films.
0: I wonder as well, like, whether folk is just a white thing, like, or if, like, you could expand it. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I guess in that way, what was that film?
0: But then uh, it becomes, I think, problematic as well, with, like, white people visiting a kind of, like, I don't know, like, it Well, I mean, it doesn't have to have any white people in it, does it? I um, suppose. The, uh...
1: What was that film that's on Netflix called? His House? or? Oh, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. It's there was
1: something quite, there was something quite kind of folky about some of the characters that came, like oh, some that's of the, true. like, go, um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yes, I was thinking of it very much from like a white perspective, but I guess there are, like, there's endless things you could do with folk yeah. horror, Thinking about all of the kind of, you could do one about oh. the Lambton Worm.
0: <gasps> Worm. The Lambton Worm. The Lambton Worm.
1: The <laughs> Yeah, like there's loads of like, like thinking about all of the like kind of Japanese folk characters, oh yeah, and like, like Ice- even like Icelandic kind of folk characters and stuff.
0: Yeah, I feel like there has been like a few horrors like around Icelandic things, and obviously like I think a the, lot of like the the kind of ring and the grudge are based around some of the sort of folklore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we don't mm. call them folk horror because I guess they're not white. Um, but yeah. Well,
1: no, I mean that's not that that's not
0: true because like. Folklore is
1: not a white thing. Yeah, 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 but we don't, don't
0: call, like, the... I, th- I think we do. No, no, but we don't call, like, The Grudge and, like, The Ring, like, folklore, horror.
1: Like... What folklore is that, are they based on?
0: It's, uh, there's lots. The the, the stories that they're based on are all folklore. Um, Even The Ring? Yeah. Um, well... It's elements of folklore in the same way that The Wicker Man is, or Bidsommar. It's not real, like, it's just kind of mishmash.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the, I guess, the the Wicker Man, it's not thinking about folklore. It's about kind of, like, rural, folksy communities, Mm. um, which is different. Because the, uh, like... Pagan rituals are not folklore They were practiced I mean obviously this is a Not a faithful mm. um, Rendition of it But yes, anyway, you've convinced me there's a lot of scope for <laughs> I, um, yeah. If I just stop being so racist It's time for the
0: small so so this is uh, a real life folklore, um based in Sussex. Um Should where it's I'm not folklore from. if it's well <laughs> Yeah, well like kind of like culty, kind of creepy villagey type stuff. Uh, I weirdly hadn't heard of it, even though I'm from Sussex. Um and it's based around a specific area in the the, the Sussex Downs, uh, called Clapham Woods. Um Clapham Clapham, I know it's like oh. another Clapham Clapham village. Um, gay village. <laughs> them, it's, a, it's, it a, a, <laughs> it's about gays. The two brothers. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Um And actually, weirdly, we did a lot of like um, downland walking. Um, was the, the physical exercise I choose to do at school I was you got to choose. And so we may have walked around here. I don't actually know. But anyway, um, so I have to uh, give a heads uh, a shout out to a specific blog uh, that I stole this from called uh, Dark Histories, well it's a podcast as well I haven't listened to the episode but they've written it all out in quite a lot of detail Um, but they've referenced a sadly out of print book which I tried to find called The Demonic Connection which is all about this Um, so... Have you checked the shelves? Because that does sound (laughs) like... Yeah, I accidentally buy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so... Yeah, so Clapham in Sussex is a small rural village known for having a history of pagans and druids. Um, and in the 1970s it seemed like its occult roots were returning. Um, in the woods near the village there were reports of animals disappearing shortly followed by the discovery of bodies. Um... So the Animal bodies. No, human, human bodies. bodies. Oh, um, so nearby on the outskirts of Clapham, there are three earthen hills, uh, purportedly created by the devil. Um, Probably, and, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and they form what's called the, the Devil's Triangle, which is apparently created um, by the devil himself.
1: Do you know about it? Have you have you heard of the Devil's Strike? No.
0: Well, no. I've heard of Devil's Dyke, which comes up in a second. Oh, yeah. um, so, Devil is the Dyke, yeah. Which is why we love that. <laughs> so. so, apparently, the Devil was trying to basically create this kind of uh, flood uh, to kind of uh, flood the area of Christian churches that were in the area. On um, hearing the crow of a rooster, which I didn't know the the devil would <laughs> like uh, but be fled, uh, oh, leaving oh. a large valley which is now called Devil's Dyke. Um, one of the, mo- the mounds uh, is called um Shank I need to get this right Ring. Um, Shanktonbury, yes. I you um, want to check out my Shanktonbury, ring, um, and, <laughs> um, and has a history of strange occurrences and even famous occultist, Alistair Crowley, visited to practice magic there. Um, there was also uh, various reports of UFO sightings around the area. Oh. Um, in 1967, a group of university students decided to try to spend the night in the ring but ended up fleeing the slurs <laughs> It's year. been a while since someone spent the night in my <laughs> whole, ring. <laughs> Slow <of> students. <laughs> um, <laughs> Slow students in my ring. <laughs> um, but they ended up fleeing in panic in the night, leaving all their equipment behind, and they refused to talk about what happened. Um, and the following year, a group of ufologists uh, visited the site and were struck with bitter freezing winds, nausea, and difficult, difficulty breathing. Um, the moment they left the ring, everything went back to normal, though, and they felt fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of stories of people visiting uh Shanktonbury ring in Clapham Woods and experiencing sudden dizziness, uh, weakness, sickness, shortness of breath, as well as this overwhelming feeling of being pulled by some kind of force that affects people and animals. Um, it's also remarked upon by the people studying the area. There was one by like, a bird watcher or something. He said that there's just no sign of wildlife and, like, it's completely silent around the areas of this woods. Not even a, a rooster to scare away <laughs> the devil. Um, so, yeah, dog walkers in the area reported their pets acting strangely, like, growling. Um, some of them, even, the dogs were, like, paralysed um, and, like, experienced foaming at the mouth and fitting. Um,
1: and you know, I would really love to have a dog, but my one worry about having a dog is that... They, Is this foaming at the mouth thing Um, and seeing, like, spotting the devil? But also, I watch a lot of true crime, and almost always, dead bodies are found by dog walkers. And it makes me think. The, the, I, maybe it's not for me.
0: I don't know if you've discovered that when you dead bodies around London, but who knows? Um, so, yeah, numerous residents experience. Yes, L- London is notoriously low on murders. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, that dead strewn around in public. <laughs> n-
1: there's a crime to be heard of here. We leave our doors unlocked.
0: <laughs> um, so, yes, anyway, so uh, dog walkers have experienced... Uh, their dogs running off into the woods and never being found again. Um, and even there was a, a story of a man who um, was walking his horse through the woods. Walking and his horse. I don't know why he wasn't riding it, but anyway. he <laughs> had a little bit of <laughs> <bad. laughs> Well, actually, he, um, so he like he needed to pee desperately, so he tied the horse to a tree and went off to like do his business. And when he came back, the horse was gone, um, completely disappeared, and he never found it again. Um, so as mentioned, animals weren't the only things to go missing in the woods. Um, in June 1972, a 46 year old police officer called Peter Goldsmith was reported by his wife as missing from his village of Steining or Stenning, um, which is around eight miles to the northeast of Clapham, and on the far side of Um, um the police conducted a thorough search, including 95 op- officers and dogs and helicopters, and after weeks of searching they couldn't find him. Um in December of that year, whilst beating for a pheasant shoot uh Beating for the, a Pheasant shoot. Yeah, you beat the bushes to try and get the oh, pheasants to kind of, <laughs> beat Bash one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um they like uh the pheasant bashes uh <laughs> <laughs> um, found his body under a thick uh patch of brambles. Um, apparently he was lying... Classic. As like, Dog walkers <laughs> or, or pheasant bastards. It's always them that find the bodies. Told you. But he was found lying. As I as was as out like, walking <laughs> my pheasant. <laughs> he was beating my pheasant one day. <laughs> uh, it was just um, beating around the bush. Um, but yeah, so his body was found lying as if it was asleep. Um, and in his left hand they found a small uh, disc attached to a metal ring. And, uh, next to the body, a small empty vial. Um, when they tested. in a Cochrane. Yes. Um, they, it was funny actually, because I was thinking, I wonder whether he was gay cruising. But anyway. Um, gay cruising. Gay <laughs> right, not Heterosexual <laughs> cruising. Um, otherwise her. called dogging. <laughs> um, so they tested the vial for poison, but it came out negative. And due to the extensive decomp, it wasn't possible to determine the cause of death. Um, but they could equally fine. So, he, we thought he was sleeping, you know, but he also was very
1: thoroughly very decomposed. Moldy. Well, it was quite a few months later. <laughs> ha, he, was, he, he was uh, peacefully, restfully, mouldily sleeping. <laughs> I couldn't see if his eyes were open or not because there were mushrooms in their face. <laughs>
0: Stop trolling my <laughs> Um So, the inquest also had testimony from his colleague, PC John Grigson, who said that leading up to his disappearance, Peter had been seemingly worried and rather quiet and slightly nervous about something. Um, It was also revealed that he'd been spotted on the day of the disappearance, heading towards the woods, carrying a brown holdall, um, which wasn't found. Um, Peter had been working as the coroner's officer, which I hadn't heard of before, um, investigating the the death of an unidentified woman's body that was also found, um, half a mile just from from where his body was found. Um, subsequent deaths included uh, so d- they don't know the cause of the death no mm. um, of either of them and then subsequent deaths included uh, Mr. Leon Foster 66, who um, was again found three weeks after disappearing um, laid out on the ground like he was sleeping I don't know how else he'd be found dead really <laughs> unless you've got like a, like a pillow and a junior yeah <laughs> um, <little> teddy bear <laughs> uh, but the coroners found that his stomach was empty as though he hadn't eaten for a week um then it was followed, uh, the, he just had a good douche. Ah, <laughs> Sorry stop. When he was um then it was followed by Reverend uh Harry Snelling, sixty five years old from Steining as well, who went missing after a dentist appointment. Apparently he called his wife after the appointment saying he was heading heading home but never made it. Um three years after his disappearance, a package arrived at Worthing Police Station containing a letter and a uh, and the wallet of Harry Snelling. Um, and including his credit cards and a rough map to the directions of his body. Um, apparently, the letter was written by a Canadian hiker um, named Michael Rain, who had stumbled across the remains uh, whilst out walking without a dog, <laughs> um, and um, didn't have time to report it to the police. He was flying out, so he didn't want to get embroiled in the case. So just left a little map. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, the police found the remains 150 yards uh, from the edge of Platton Woods in a the spot they need to have thoroughly searched during the investigation. Mm. Um, last was uh, Gillian Matthews, uh, who was a 37-year-old divorcee uh, living in Steining, she had a history of schizophrenia, but, um, at the time has said to be, like, fine, like, uh, on top of things, um, but went missing, um, after going to the shops and never returning. Six weeks later, um, on Saturday the 14th of November, um, Alan Budd and Andrew Martin from Clapham were beating Pleasant Shoots again, <laughs> um, I don't think it was same so people, um, and stumbled across Julian lying uncovered on the ground and quite in the open, um investigations found that she'd been raped and strangled um but no further evidence could be found despite uh, around the surrounding area um so yeah a, a policeman spoke to the local press and said um it's thought there are a number of people in the surrounding area who were reluctant to speak directly to the police um and yeah apparently the villagers are very kind of like they hate talking about this and just are really unfriendly and just won't talk to any outsiders about anything to do with it um a confidential line was up but they never found any information about what what happened um anthony flowers the head keeper of the pheasant shoot uh for that particular piece of land commented to the police strangely enough we'd been over that ex- exact spot a fortnight before and now hadn't seen anything so, going back to uh, 1968, a uh, local ufologist, uh, Charles Walker, was attending a night watch w- uh, taking place on uh, a ring. Sounds like they just did these kind of watches every so sort often. Just like, it's funny, I wonder if UFO groups still exist, actually. Anyway. Uh, I'm in one. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm the I'm the treasurer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And while the group took a break uh, from UFO spotting, um, some of the nerds were struck with a sudden bout of sickness and uh, even experienced temporary blindness. Um, Charles became obsessed with getting to the bottom of the strangeness and started researching everything he could about the area. Um, In the late 70s, while researching the reports of the numerous missing dogs in the area, um, he decided to place a local advert appealing for information that included his personal phone number um understandably he got loads of prank calls um uh, but one evening on in 1978 he received an anonymous call of peter's interest um the call was from a well-spoken man asking him to meet in the forest near the site of the disappearances um that evening at 9 p.m it was already 8:30, um so he had to be quite quick about like jumping on his bike and cycling to the area um, on reaching to the spot, he was suddenly struck by how dangerous it was to be an anonymous caller in the dark of the woods, um, and has got quite scared. <laughs> um, and while he was alone in the silence, um, he was hanging around for a while and he didn't arrive, and decided this, that it must have been a prank, and decided to leave. But suddenly, from the dark of the woods, a man spoke out. Um, these quotes, uh, as recounted from the book, The Demonic Connection, that he ended up writing about it. He said... Uh, The man said, uh, don't attempt to look for me. Uh, For your safety and mine, it's imperative you do not see who I am. I am an initiate of the Friends of Hecate, a group formed in Sussex. The nearest I can describe our activities to you is that we are followers of Satanism. At every meeting we hold a sacrifice, um, some animal or other. Um, My fellow initiate who is with me here tonight will confirm uh, that if you doubt that. Um, we hold meetings in Carpen Woods every month, and dogs and domestic animals, or farm animals, are sacrificed. It's dependent on what is easy to obtain at the time. Uh, Charles... Uh, so, where... He just heard this voice saying all that? Yeah, behind... the like, apparently he was behind a bush, so you couldn't <laughs> see it. Um... So uh so imagine it'd be so scary, <laughs> be like, oh um uh, then uh, so apparently uh so Charles asked him, like, so is this to do like what happened with the missing dogs? <laughs> this, is, this is funny to me, it's like quite snippy. He's like, I've already told you that our cult de mines are just sacrificed at every meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um He then uh, warned him, There are people in high places holding positions of power and authority who are directly involved and will tolerate no interference. We will stop at nothing to ensure the safety of our cult. So uh, Charles Walker and his writing partner... Do Toy... people in a cult call it a cult? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, our friendship group. Um, <laughs> and, Me and the uh, gals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Charles Walker and his writing partner, Toy Newton, uh, who are the authors and researchers of The Demonic Connection, uh, believe the Friends of Hecate may well have had a hand in some of the mysterious murders of Clapham um, Toy Newton had published several articles uh, detailing his own and Charles's research into the area of the woods and Clactonbury brief for the paranormal <laughs> magazine The Unexplained, which I would love to see copies of <laughs> um, the magazine received quite a large amount of correspondence from readers, uh, directed to Newton, which were forwarded on to him a lot of them were just people interested in finding out more uh, but one unsigned typewritten letter gave him pause um oh. It opened, in your article on Clapham Woods, you ask if the mysterious events are linked to a black coven. I can tell you they are, but it's much more than that. A few years back, a friend of mine joined them. They, they are called the Friends of Hecate. Um, given that Newton had never mentioned the group's name in his article, he believed that there was this was probably from somebody who was actually involved in the group, um, or at least somebody who was like loosely connected to it. Um, the letter goes on. Uh they meet in the woods and the barn up by the church and make ritual sacrifices at the time of Orion and the Archer. Uh lots of patching and cla- I guess patching's a place. Um and clapping people are in there it. Uh, but the top ones come from London. Uh two women and a man. The man is a doctor and about forty five, and the women are thirty and sixty. Don't know why that's important. Um uh they always go back to London <laughs> Oh and- yes, I know them. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's a doctor, but they are 40 and 30 and 60. (laughs) Um, Women don't have dogs. (laughs) Um, They always go back to London after their meetings, so no one knows who they are uh, and that they're connected with what goes on. Um, uh, I think this is uh, when there is a human sacrifice. Um, My friend said there are other groups of the same in Winchester and Atherbury, Um, a big group in London I can't remember them all but lots of people are involved um, as there are different grades and thousands of members in the outer one but only about 200 in the inner circle it's all very secret, the inner core members are protected by the others who they use as spies and guards to make sure everything is kept secret Um, at Clapper there is about 30 members um, who they are I don't know Um, it's only because my friend has gone to live abroad that I can tell you about this he was sick of it all, especially the sacrifices. I'm sick of it, babes. <laughs> 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 I am sick to the back of these sacrifices. If I had a pound for every sacrifice you have to watch. It's, uh, <sacrifices>, it's <laughs> sacrifice that. <laughs> um, uh, he was very frightened when the police were looking for the vicar you mentioned. and um, When I said I was going to join the search party on the dance, he said that there was no need they'd got him. Um, I thought he meant the police had found him, but they hadn't. And when I asked him later, he told me to shut up. Um, the letter goes on to mention their reasons for using Clapham Woods and about the dark forces. Um, and finally signs off. I can't sign my name, uh, but be warned that they are much, power- much more powerful than a black coven. Um, in his research, Newton had previously come across a source that told him about a group in London... Um, who ha- was securing rights around the lands of Clapham Common no the Clapham Woods, Clapham Common people who've been purchasing exclusive rights uh, from the privately owned estates uh, from London uh, big money exchanges hands uh, they don't bag many birds <laughs> <Lol>. <laughs> Um I know because I've seen them so it was his belief basically they were buying up the land so that they could just like perform their, their cult rituals mm. essentially and hide it um since punish, uh, punishing, <laughs> publishing uh, The demonic Connection, Charles Walker has uh, continued to investigate the area and has both video and ph- photographic evidence of uh, ritualistic trinkets and incense found around the large beech uh, tree, which is often found with obscure satanic symbols uh, scribed into the bark and chalk. Um, the wood is apparently now clean of occult, uh, of the occult, according to a post online made by Charles Walker. Or maybe not. Uh, despite the ring of trees that sat on the top of Chantonbury being destroyed in a hurricane in 1987, where the unusual activity is centred around, myths persist and missing animals are still being reported to the local paper. Oh, to this very day. To this very day, Sean. Every day. Isn't that creepy? It is creepy. No. You know
1: what? I always think about this kind of thing. It's the kind of thing that, like, if, if, there, is, uh, if there are groups like this, um... Who, and if there are and they're not doing any sacrifices, then who cares? But yeah. if, if they're like murdering people and animals, yeah, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> that's a problem it, um, <laughs> in the eyes of the stuffy law, um, the stinking law. They should move to
0: Somerisle, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But like, they sound so far fetched that who would ever believe it? And it maybe it's really easy to get away with that kind of stuff, <laughs> no, for
0: sure. Like, um, yeah, especially if they're like rich, powerful people and they could just like like cover up like with money essentially
1: and i wonder with with like a a group that doesn't have like and a sort of an outward facing official looking side like you know like most cults they're not like secret no yeah Um, (laughs) but like how do you recruit
0: someone to such a secretive cult yeah how do you keep its membership alive I guess it's probably the same way that, like, a lot of, like, cults do it, where they, well, like, Scientology, for example, they obviously, like, record people telling them the most, in their most secrets, and then, like, basically blackmail them to not reveal anything about the, kind of, like, the involvement. And I guess if you go to a human sacrifice, you're going to be complicit oh, in Oh, kind of sure. <laughs> but, yes, how
1: do you get to the point,
0: because at least in Scientology, most people have opted in. Yeah, yeah. Even if
1: it's being kind of coerced in some way, but how do you coerce someone to join, like, a... I guess something that doesn't have like a public front.
0: Yeah, it must just be word of mouth and like choosing members secretly.
1: Yeah, or like you kind of like groom someone that you think might be into it or
0: something. Yeah, and I guess it'd probably be a slow like kind of like indoctrination process where you just like, you know, you don't go to a human sacrifice straight away. Um, Yeah, eventually. (laughs) Yeah, I'd hate to be the membership
1: officer (laughs) for the friends of Hegarty. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Bloody Mary's
0: Podcast. And that's Mary's with a Z. And thanks for our theme tune from uh, The Pink Pound. Uh, You can follow them at The Pink Pound Sound.
1: And if you're enjoying Bloody Mary's, please like, subscribe and share with all your friends.